bleeds, we can kill it. Wolfman's got hearts! Nobody trusts anybody now. Come on, you hate! You wanna live forever? Now what? But no matter what happens, Godzilla will live. And welcome back to the 79th episode of the Monster Movie Stomp Down. Of course, you got your host Sludge here, my co-host across from me. It's Mark. Our brother from Texas. Ruben. And this is the special episode of the month we told you guys about. We are doing a review for an upcoming film. It's currently in um, the uh, the film market as far as it's going around all the festivals and things like that uh, being shown. Uh, distribution for this film is being worked on currently. We do know that... Um, it will be distributed here in the U.S., and of course they're they're working on the international distribution as well. But this is the special episode for uh, Witch House that we want to tell you guys about. You may have heard the interview that uh, Charlie and Nate did with the director Bobby Eastley and director of photography uh, James Brenton uh, a little while back on Give Me Back My Horror Movies. Um, but we got the opportunity to become friends with these guys and see the movie and give our own type of review because I know with them. They did more just a straight interview, but we wanted to review the movie like we do for these guys. Um, and then, of course, we have got a special interview at the end of the episode where we did get to sit down and talk uh, to Bobby and James and ask them a couple questions. And they actually asked us a question, which was awesome because yeah, that was... We don't get that. Yeah, we don't get that. Usually it's an interview. It's we ask the questions. Yeah. But uh, they had a great question for us, so uh, we're excited for you guys to hear that interview at the end of the episode. Uh, but let's jump into it, man. We're excited. We've been promoting this um, for you guys to hear. So here is the trailer for H.P. Lovecraft's Witch House. I have to get out of here. He's going to find me, and he's going to kill me. I know he will. I went and talked to an old professor, and he told me that there's a place right by the campus where I can get a room and no one will find me. I'll take it. Although your work does border on science fiction, I am intrigued by some of the connections you were able to draw between three-dimensional geometry and the way we perceive these angles. My advice to you girls is to stay away from that house. My research is correct. It all adds up. It's like I, I opened a portal and warped reality, something. movies trigger such nostalgic feelings with us or have you ever wanted a podcast that shines a light on newer horror movies that carry a banner like movies of old or even puts focus on independent creators 
Or maybe you just want to listen to two guys who are big advocates of werewolves getting normal everyday jobs. Ooh, they're kind of like me. <laughs> if you're anything like us, you've probably said, give me back my horror. If you have, then Nate, Charlie, and Nate's insatiable bloodlust have just the podcast for you. Give me back my horror movies. And seeing as we have a spooky podcast of our own, we know a thing or two about horror. And I know you hear me when I say these guys keep it spooky. And after you've gotten your horror fix from Nate and Charlie, come check out our podcast brought to you by Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. Tales from the Haunt and I Know You Hear Me. Available wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Stay spooky. Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Kreitz. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, hear me, kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. All right, so and that was the trailer for the movie we will be reviewing again. This movie is not out yet, but it will be out soon. Um, this is going around all the festivals right now. It's actually won a couple awards. Has gotten a lot of nominations and selections, so it's just really, really cool. Um, and then, of course, there was the commercials for our brothers in the network at Give Me Back My Horror Movies and Pete and his crew over at Good Beer Bad Movie Night, which I want to say real quick because we're trying to keep this focused on Witch House. But if you haven't listened to the um, recent Give Me Back or G- Good Beer Bad Movie Night episode of Maximum Overdrive, Go listen to it and then go yell at Pete um, for giving it a six <laughs> yes, beer rating. Definitely, uh, you know because yeah. that's just not cool. I don't know what he was uh, thinking there. I haven't even finished listening to it yet. I was listening to it, you know, on the way. I do a lot of traveling for work, so on the way back from, you know, it's like a hour drive back from back to my home office, and I'm like, you know, I could tell, you know, I haven't even heard his six his rating yet. So oh, spoiler alert. Like Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's fine. Because I could tell from from that. And I'm like, man, you know, uh, after you start doing a couple of these podcasts, you you, I don't know. You guys are the same way. I'm the same way. I, you know, I'm listening to it. And then they say something. I just want to jump in and start talking. Yeah. yeah know, I give too. my opinion on the matter. <laughs> like, wait a minute. You know, and, and, uh, I did that several times in the first. Uh, it's it, I think it's almost two hours. This the, yeah, it's like show. an hour and forty six. Uh, this one and, and I and I got into I think at about fifty minutes five zero before um, I got to my home office and then I got busy and I didn't get to finish to finish listening to it, but I saw where it was going. So go on. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. to. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, great episode, but Pete, how dare you? How dare you? So I know. Back to Witch House. So this is a. A uh, movie that is based off an H.P. Lovecraft novella. Uh, the novella itself is called The Dreams in the Witch House, um, and it's an adaptation of that. And there was a previous adaptation of this, uh, I want to say around 2005. Stuart Gordon did one. 
um, during the Masters of Horror series, horror series that came out. Um, and that was a good one. Um, I will state in my review, I probably lean a little more towards this version of the film, um, even though this one strays from the novella a little bit as far as the adaptation versus Stuart Gordon's. There's a reason why I actually lean more towards this one versus Stewart's um, adaptation from earlier in the 2000s. But let's jump into the synopsis of this movie. Um, so you've got your main character. Her name is Alice Gilman. Um, she is leaving an abusive relationship with her husband at the beginning of this film. And she decides she needs to move out uh, from that. Talking to her friend, she d- uh, discusses this house that she's found an attic room for rent uh, known as the Hannah House. And she is a, um, a college student slash teacher. She's in that little, you know, master's area where she's, you know, still a student, but she's teaching classes and stuff in regards to uh, dealing with um, geometric shapes that um, tie to interdimensional travel and other 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 dimensions. And um, she goes to this house uh, because this house, of course, has a history to it. Uh, in relation to that is a witch named Kaziah used to live at this house and supposedly could travel into other dimensions as well. Um, she gets to this house and she rents the attic to kind of get away, to get into her studies, especially with things that are going on. And as she's there, she starts to lose it. Um, she starts to have vivid dreams of these uh, satanic type rituals involving Kaziah and Brown Jenkins, a character in this who shows up to her early in the film. Um, and she starts to travel between uh, where she's at and the fourth dimension as well. And as things start to go crazier and crazier, children start to go missing. Um, it all boils down to a final confrontation uh, between her and Kaziah. Uh, at the end of this film, um, and then when it all comes down to a head, spoiler alert. Well, I'm not gonna give you the spoiler alert. Actually, <laughs> let's take that back. So after the climactic uh, fight between her and Kazaya at the end, there is an insanely awesome twist at the end of this movie, and I will not spoil it because I want to save it for you guys when you get to watch it. There you um, go. So um, yes, H.P. Lovecraft's Witch House. This, of course, is done by Bobby Eastley. And uh, you'll find out uh, that I called him Easton in the interview by accident, and you'll find out why, because I've done that twice now. Um, But it is Bobby Eastley, um, and of course the director of photography is James Brenton. And I do want so badly to tell you one of the reasons why we are supporting them, uh, because James has been very helpful to us in a future endeavor that we're currently working on, <laughs> but I can't announce what that endeavor is yet. So, but it is coming and we will let you know, but, uh, James, thanks ahead of time for the advice that you've given to us for this future endeavor that every listener is going, what are they talking about? You'll find oh, yeah. out. I promise. Yeah. So, all right, let's jump into this. Uh, let's give us a quick review of, um, which house and what we thought about it. I've got a lot because I, th- I think I'm the only one here that's read the novella. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. I did not read it. Okay, yeah. so that's I, why I didn't know who Brown Jenkins was yeah. when we were discussing <laughs> doing the interviews. Yeah. I used to be a yeah. huge Lovecraft fan. Read a lot of his work, especially in my teenage years. Um, so uh, I will go last. Let's let's let you guys jump to it. Mark, it's been a minute since you've gone first. What were yeah. your thoughts on Witch House? Oh wait, I forgot to do a disclaimer. So let's do that. Heads up, just for you guys, because we do keep a pretty clean show. I do apologize, but we want to let you know before Mark starts giving his opinion uh, that this movie is for mature audiences only. Yes. So yes. there are some things um, uh, in this movie, language, nudity, uh, uh, the likes, that uh, we can't recommend it for 
anyone that's not an adult. Yes. Um, yeah, for yes. this. So for the younger audiences, this is not yeah. for you. Um, is, but uh, it, it, that's where it's outside our wheelhouse. We usually try to keep it clean. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. But it is definitely yeah. outside of our wheelhouse. But again, um, you'll hear what we thought about the, the movie as a whole, how good it was, and then um, want to show support for them being independent filmmakers, and then of course the support that they've shown us. Uh, great, great guys, um, and they did a phenomenal job. So you have been warned. This film is presented in its original uncut version. It is intended only for mature audiences. Viewer discretion advised. First off, I um, wasn't didn't know what to expect going into watching this movie. I mean, uh, I know who H.P. Lovecraft is and, and a little bit of his work, but this, this work, uh, novella, I did not know. And so uh, I went into it pretty blindly, and uh, the the moment they get to the Hannah house, I'm like, oh my gosh, this this makes my skin crawl. This house, just the thought of it. And um, uh, I thought the acting uh, uh, didn't know any of them. It's an independent film, and so uh, I, but I thought overall they did a pretty decent job acting, and uh, and. And so staying with this, um, with this movie, I, I really needed to, to stay focused on it, where it's going, what's going on on it. And, uh, overall I thought it was a, it was a pretty decent film. And, um, and of course you'll hear when the, you hear the interviews before the people behind it and the, and the behind the scenes stuff, a lot of times, you know, we, we look at budgets and, and what they have and what the movie's made and this thing's. Uh, not out there yet, so this is all still yeah we don't still have a, going yeah and, we we uh, don't have a uh, what this is made in the box office yeah, for you but I, I think uh, um, there's there's enough of the uh, of this the novella in this this movie that will keep you tied to the screen and watching and focusing on everything that's going on but you have to keep an eye keep up with it because you can get lost in this thing uh, the different different areas or different places that she's going. So, uh, but overall I give it a thumbs up. I think it's, uh, uh, it's a good movie. And definitely when it comes out, it's, it's worth watching. Yeah. Ruben, what about you, man? Well, I, mean, I enjoyed this movie, you know, and, um, I, I, I don't know, you know, we've done, we've done the interview with them. I don't know if it's going to go before or after our review, but, um, I will say that I'm a horror movie snob. You know, it, it takes a lot for me to like a horror movie. If I don't like it, I don't like it. And it's going to, it's funny with horror movies with me, it's either a one, you know, you got, you got your very low, your perfect. And then you got, you know, a lot of, a lot of them in between. This one is, 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 um, above average. Um, let's just put it this way. I think the last horror movie that I can remember being good that I saw at the movies was La Llorona. I like this one better. Oh wow! Okay, and that was professionally done. Yeah. That was professionally done. Major studio, but if you gave me a choice of which one I'd want to watch again, I'd watch this one again. So just to kind of gauge y'all on on you know how much how much of a snob I am when it comes to horror movies is you know La Llorona was is, was hyped and I went to watch it. I went to go sit sit there and I watched it, especially since it's South Texas lore. Well, actually, it's it's probably lore everywhere. La Llorona has um, has a lore just about. All over the United States, but uh, it's his. It's very Hispanic, La Llorona, Spanish. But uh, so I like this one better than I like La Llorona. So um, major compliment uh, there. Yeah, 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 I did. Very good. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, th that's that's you know, La Llorona was not very high up for me. I was I sat there and I'm like boring. 
next. <laughs> and uh, so I liked, um, I think Mark touched on it. Um, the house was perfect for a horror movie. Um, for an HP craft load, th this was just made for, you know, interdimensional travel type house, you know. Um, it was authentic. Um, the movie gave me a sense of dread that, that I want in a horror movie. Um, and um, the cinematography was beautiful. I thought it was done perfectly. And you can't get any creepier than, uh, I'm going to forget his name, Brown says Brown last Jenkins. name. Brown Jenkins. Brown Jenkins. Brown Jenkins. You can't get any creepier than Brown Jenkins in this movie. I'm telling you, that guy actually gave, you know, gave me goosebumps because I thought. I can't remember I, the actor's name. Solomon something. This really? who played yeah, Brown Jenkins. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, phenomenal job. Yeah, because like Mark, it, it, it's, it's, it was very hard to to keep that timeline in there because there was so much going on there after. I mean, it starts off and then all of a sudden it's kind of like all over the place. So you got to really pay attention. So, um, you know, you can get lost very easily. So that, I didn't even know who that guy was. I didn't, did they even say his name during the movie at all? No, no, not in the movie. They don't, right? The only the reason you know his name is if you read the book, yeah, correct? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I don't feel so bad because I'm like, I don't know who that is. Who are they talking about? I don't remember That's... them saying the name of the movie. No, yeah, I don't remember. He just showed up. Right? Oh, yeah, he does. He just, he just showed, showed up. up. Yeah. What is he and where did he come from? Um, and, and we discussed that this this movie does have nudity as um, I kind of joked in mess in the messages between uh, between Mark and, and Sludge here that, oh, you know, as soon as there's a cult or some kind of satanic ritual, some for some reason, Satanists just hate wearing clothes. You know, they've got to be do. naked whenever they're doing anything. And I don't know how they don't, you know, hurt themselves with all the sharp objects they have around there in their <laughs> little ritual that they're doing. You know, I figure a couple of them get sliced or something. But uh, all in all, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, it was it, it got an above. Uh, well, we ended up agreeing on the stomping, the stomp rating. So uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was. It was, you know, you have to pay attention. I will say that, or have read the book, like Sludge did. If if you did one, if you read the book, then you'll be just fine with this movie. Um, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how much it strays. So on its own merit, um, uh, I, I think it's an above. I mean, a, a, you know, slightly above average movie. So I'm going to hand it over to the man who knows it all. <laughs> who knows it all. Um, so I, going in, yes, I've you know, and it's except, been a few except years. Except for the uh, director's name. He yeah. doesn't know no, I don't know name. Bobby's don't name. Except right. for the director's <laughs> name. That's right, yeah. <laughs> again, you guys will see in the interview, I messed up again with that. But there's a reason why. So, um, yeah, Although so, there is a rumor that there's somebody around that says Sludge ain't all that. Well. As far as knowledge goes. We'll, we'll follow him out say. about <laughs> You'll find out I've, about. This I've heard person. a little bit of that stuff going on. Yeah. Did you hear about yeah. that? I, mean, I, oh, yeah. that was some, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. The, Go there, on, there, there is somebody trying to to, to step wow. in, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get to that yeah. soon. I yeah. promise. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes. So I've I've read the, the novella for this one, The Dreams in the Witch House, and it's been a few years. Um, but with anything H.P. Lovecraft, this stuff kind of really stays in your mind with the worlds that he built. Uh, more than just the the Cthulhu mythos. I mean it. There's a whole world of, of stuff with Lovecraft, and Lovecraft can just he goes out into some crazy places, and if for I think for there's tons of, of movie adaptations from novels. I mean, I mean the world's full of them, 
everything from you know Fight Club, uh, Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club, which I think David Fincher did a phenomenal job doing that one, to Peter Benchley's Jaws, which Spielberg did a great job doing that one, to um, to H.P. Lovecraft. You've got Stuart Gordon did Dagon. You've got you know they did the H- the Reanimator movies. It, uh, uh, gosh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. You know, I mean, there's there's countless movie after movie that's made from novels. And for me, if I had to pick one author that would be the most difficult author to translate to film, it's going to be H.P. Lovecraft. His work is not, it's not like a, you know, each novella is not a long body. It's not like a 500, 800 page novel. It is a novella, um, you know, 40 to 70 pages, depending on which one you're reading. But he captures you so quickly from the word go in his writing and just wraps you up in these worlds he builds that you feel like you're reading an 800-page novel. Like, he's just sucked you into so much depth so quickly. And it's hard to translate that, especially with the worlds that he travels between with these characters, the, the beings, the creatures, you know, the elders you know, that, that are involved. It's difficult. So saying that, my thoughts on this movie up front was I was so incredibly impressed with this with this film um, for several reasons. Now, I mean, I will state, you know, you, you, obviously we do cleaner films. There are things, you know, as far as the nudity um, that I could have definitely gone without. Um, uh, you know, like there's one scene in particular I did have to fast forward quickly through um, just because there's things that I just, I just don't watch anymore. And even with the, there's a lot of, uh, of witchcraft material in this. I don't normally watch those type of films anymore. He kept me going through this. You know what I mean? Like a dread and uneasiness. Where I'm like, I can't look away because it's, this is crazy what's going on, you know? Um, and with, it comes to that element. Um, and you'll find out because we do ask Bobby why he um, picked dreams in the witch house to do. Um, and there was more to it, which was great for him to reveal. It strays a bit from the book. Because you do have the character, Keziah, who was a witch who lived at this house in the novella, um, who had traveled through interdimensional travel in the novel, or in the novella. Then you've got Brown Jenkins. Now, Brown Jenkins in the book is actually a rat with a human face, um, which they, I was wondering going in, how are they going to handle Brown Jenkins? How are they going to handle a couple things in the movie? Um, And that really, especially with Brown Jenkins, I have to praise the creativity of this team. Because you, when you're working on an independent film budget, how are you going to be able to translate and bring this rat character to life on film with no budget? Do you, do you think uh, like during the film they 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 uh, they feature a rat? They throughout. do. They do. And I was wondering after you told me they use a rat, I'm like, I wonder if that was a. I should have. We should have asked him. I wonder if that was well, like representative. Well, of him. I think that was Brown Maybe he's transforming too. back. Yeah, when he was not around another human being, he was in the rat. I should have asked him that. That could be what it is. Because now, in in a lot of HP's books, you're going to have rats in the walls, and a lot of stuff, and 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 especially hearing voices come from these rats through multiple novellas. But that was a good point. I really wish we would ask him that in the interview. I may have to. Yeah, because so you told me that he was when you said he was a rat. uh, He had a rat's face. I'm like, hey, I wonder if that there's a connection there. But you know, we had already. You know that was it was already too late. I didn't think. Oh about man, it. sorry guys, we should have asked that yeah. one. We didn't think about that. Until I know we interviewed it. So obviously we did the interview before we started the episode. But, but I mean the way they handled Brown Jenkins, that I mean Solomon the actor, uh, he is terrifying. Like he creeped yes, me he out, and not once 
when he was on screen and the way they handled that character that I go, oh man, I wish I would have seen the character like the novella. I wish it was more accurate. Not one time. So, I mean, hats off to them for, I mean, coming from an H.P. Lovecraft fan, you know, when you go, most of the time when someone goes, oh, you're going from a, a novel to a book or a novel to a movie, the movie's never as good. I didn't think that this time around. And they changed quite, you know, there was some adaptation changes. I mean, when it comes to, I mean, Alice in the, is not Alice in the book. It's Walter, you know, it's a guy. So there's a lot of aspects that was changed. Uh, the, the, the husband, the, the abusive husband, um, I don't want to spoil the ending. So there's things I can't give away yeah, yeah, um, in, in this. Cause I don't want, you know, I mean, this movie's not out yet, but there are things that were changed significantly from the novella to the film um, that, especially with, with, with the more witchcraft stuff um, was added a, a lot heavier. It still just kept me stuck to the screen. And especially with the direction and the way the film was shot, I just have to praise so highly James and Bobby did such a great job with this because when you read anything with H.P. Lovecraft, he takes you from being sucked into just a kind of a, a bit of a calm before the storm setting and then just thrusts you into chaos immediately, knee deep in this stuff. And then he'll bring you right back out into some calmness for more of the story. And then he drops you back into the chaos again. And this was the only time, and I, and I, I you'll find out I say this in the interview, that I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. I love Reanimator. From Beyond was great. You know, Stuart Gordon's Dagon was really good. When it comes to an H.P. Lovecraft film, this is an independent film, and, and there are going to be things that you can't really compete with uh, right. budgetary to a bigger budget film. But I mean, this ha- this is in this this quickly became it's in my top three best H.P. Lovecraft adaptations to film. Oh, because of the sole fact, not the sole fact. There's plenty of reasons, but the biggest reason is visually, as far as the way that they directed and shot this film, I felt like I was visually seeing H.P.'s actual writing style happen on screen. Going from that chaotic world to the back down to the calmness of the story to the I mean that roller coaster ride that you get from HP's work they perfectly delivered on film, and that has I've never seen that happen in an HP Lovecraft movie um, of any kind. And so I mean, hats off to them for that because that was truly phenomenal. There's other things I love about the movie. The special effects, the practical effects in this movie are outstanding. There were some scenes in there where I was going. Um, there's no way they had a small budget. You know what I mean? I mean especially yeah. some of the ritual yeah. stuff. And uh, uh, I mean, even the beha- even uh, well, I don't want to give away too much, but there's a couple of of you know scenes that weren't that gory. But I'm like, wow, they pulled that off. Oh yeah, um, in in a great way. Yeah, I'm like, wow, they pulled it off. Like I said, I don't want to give away too much since it hasn't been released yet. I want people to be surprised when they see it. Yeah, no. So I mean, but, uh, it doesn't disappoint when it comes to the special effects for an independent film. Oh yeah, special effects done. I thought were above you know? par for most independent films of this the, this yeah. genre, this budget uh, was absolutely outstanding. And then I also want to give props to to Michelle, the um, the lady who played Alice. Um, in the movie, she and we, you've heard us say in other uh, other um, episodes, the actor and the character has to keep us going, you know, uh, yeah. to get through a film. And she did a great job. Um, she kept me interested in the character from start to finish. 
Um, and there's and everybody who acted in this movie did a really good job. I want to give hats off. But, to but a lot of has to do. I don't know if you noticed the cinematography, like close ups on her face, and you know, so she had to convey that emotion because there was a lot of. Clo- I don't know if you noticed there was a lot of close ups. Oh in yeah, this movie. Yeah, as far was. as as far as she, yeah, and uh, I noticed that right away. Even with you know sweat and. I mean, it was, I'm like, wow, there's details here that every detail was, you know, they dotted every I in this movie that they could. They definitely uh, did. And know, then, so, of yeah. course, and you both alluded to it, the house. You know, yeah. the, one, you know, the Hannah house is actually not in the novella. Now, the house is, but the Hannah house itself is not. For those who don't know, the Hannah house is actually one of the most known haunted houses in America, especially in Indiana, where this film was shot. Um, and it was shot on location at the actual Hannah house. So going into this, watching this, I was thinking, man, that is cool. A lot of people watching this may not realize or know that this house is a legit haunted house, and it isn't the house from the the, the novella. It is the it's a character all in itself, and it is absolutely great. And you got, I mean, you both nailed it when you said it's just creepy. It is just it's terrifying. And it really, really is. I mean, to make that house, they did a great job. I mean, changing, putting the movie there and making that house a real-life character in the movie, I don't know how you ground anything in real life more than that. Um, so I thought that was absolutely outstanding. I mean, yes. that was super, yes. super phenomenal. Um, no real complaints on this movie, man. I thought these dudes did a great job. Um, you know, I mean, there's some nitpick things that I have, but it's, you know, it's nothing major or out of the norm, especially for an independent film. Um, but overall, I mean, I've, I've seen some low budget films. You guys know, you know, I mean, I've, I have watched some low budget stuff. Um, and this one just does not seem like it's in the budget realm. It should be, it's, it's above it. You know what I mean? Um, because they just did a great job, you could tell that they worked their butts off on this film and that translates to, to, to the actual finished product. Um, and it helped too. I mean, for, they had Brian Usna. Um, who was executive or who was a producer for multiple yeah, Lovecraft films? He he was producer for the Love the Reanimator series. He was producer on Dagon. He was producer on From Beyond. He was producer on Necronomicon. And of course, he's you know worked on a lot of stuff too. And I got to say, he produced Giver, which I mean, I love, love oh yeah, love that oh, movie. Yeah. You know, um, so I mean, that's a legend all in itself. And he worked with them hand in hand, helping them through this movie. And you can tell that they definitely. Um, had had him helping with the film, and I think that that yeah. um, to to the degree that he helped, it really helped the film overall. But man, these dudes did a, did a great job. I mean, knock out, yeah. awesome job. Yes, I agree. And you could tell they they in um, the interview that you're going to hear, you could tell that they appreciated and they were educated during the film process, and they took it all in, and, and you know, and they learned, and uh, they perfected the process as they went along, you know, um, which I think one of them mentions during it, like there's a lot of filmmakers that are stubborn. This is how I'm going to do it. I don't care if it, if it doesn't translate on film and they didn't handle it that way. They came across as, um, willing to work and make, make it perfect. And, you know, it's to me, I, I mean, I'm a sports guy. It's like, you know, Hey, if you're a little league coach and you know, somebody like, 
I'll just bring up something for, for Mark. Tom Landry comes in. <laughs> you pointers. Well, you're going to listen to Tom Landry or Chuck Knoll. Yeah, How about that? Thank you. Thank you. That'll work. Chuck that'll work. I'll throw in Chuck Knoll for you. Yeah. Chuck Knoll or Tom Landry comes in. You're not going to tell them either, either one of them, hey, man, you know what? I'll just coach my team how I coach my team. Yeah. You just don't do that. You, you, you take it in and you listen and uh, you make it part of your process. You know, it's still your film, but you make it part of your process. And I think they did an excellent job in taking all that input in. No, definitely, definitely. So, yeah. uh, and again, guys, you know, I mean, got to give the heads up. Uh, you know, I mean, there is some content in here that is that outside of our wheelhouse. And, we, you know, we gave you guys the warning, the heads up uh, 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 earlier. But for just overall, man, these dudes, um, like Ruben said, he liked it better than I'll I'll, I'll butcher it because I'm as white as can be, Ruben. So I'm sorry, La Lorna. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, that's butchered all right. Yeah, look, <laughs> sorry, man. I just I warned you ahead of time. I'm going to. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ruben liked I it. I did like it, uh, yeah. and uh, honestly, I did like it better than La Llorona. I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, that's yeah, a huge compliment. Yeah. And I'm telling you, yeah. there's a lot of good Lovecraft movies out there. Um, and this one definitely is in my top three. Um, and that's, that's going up with movies like Dagon and reanimator and from beyond. I actually, honestly, I, I put it above Dagon. I put it above, I liked it better than Stuart Gordon's witch house. I, I mean, there, there you go, Bobby. I like this better than Stuart Gordon's version. I will go ahead and straight up tell you, there I thought you, you guys did a there much better, much better job. That's not me. You know, trying to be nice. That's just me being honest. And a lot of it, again, is just how you guys just did this movie, how you guys shot it and directed it was just, man, nobody, nobody has ever made me visually delivered like he wrote. You know what I mean? So uh, even though there's a lot of changes in the story, this is one of the better film to movie adaptation, or I'm sorry, book to film film adaptations I've ever seen. So, um, all right. Well, guys. I think it's stomp down rating time. All right. So collectively, now we review a lot of movies and I'm just going to be, got to be honest. I mean, movies like Alien and and Godzilla, those are the Frankenstein. Those are the five fives. Yeah, but we rate this one pretty high up. Uh, this one actually collectively got a three and a half from all of us. So I mean, three and a half out of five stomps. Um, man, uh, recommend again for mature audiences when this movie comes yeah. out, check it out because it is a wild, wild ride, um, and one of the yeah. best again film adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft work. If you're a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, you've got to watch this movie. Like you have to watch this movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, three and a half big stomps from us. Uh, anything else you guys want to add yeah, to those? No, uh, no, no. And uh, right you know, and I will say part of my rating going into that came after listening to them and listening to their their interpretation. Like there, there was listening to them talk, I understood the film a lot better. Oh uh, yeah, if that oh, makes yeah. any sense oh, to yeah. you guys. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I was more confident with my stomp down rating. Once I heard what they had to say and the interpretation and all that, and uh, you know, there's no nostalgia in this one. Like I like, I love to rate my movies, you know, on nostalgia. There's none here, but um, you know, I'm also a horror movie snob, and there's certain elements that I look for in a horror movie, and this one had uh, a good amount of them. 
that that I look for that in, in a horror movie. So um, that's all I got. Yo, so there great, great job, guys, on this film. Y'all did an outstanding job. Uh, we loved it. Um, definitely recommend it if you guys get a chance to see this once the distribution comes out. Um, check it out. But you know what? It's time to hear what the gentlemen themselves say. So here you go. Here's our interview with Bobby Easley and James Brennan. It's a good one. All right, and we have the special interview for you guys, like we've been promoting, um, with Bobby Easton or Easley. Sorry, okay, Bobby, I apologize because let me get this out of the way. I made the flyer the other day, and I have a friend from school whose name was Bobby Easton, and I posted the flyer, and I accidentally put Bobby Easton on the flyer, and James had to message me. He goes like, "Dude, it's it's Easley. It's not it's not Easton." I'm like, "Oh crap." So I'd like rush to fix it all. So I apologize, Bobby Easley, and then uh, who is the director of Witch House, and then we've got James Brinton, who was the director of photography. Thank you guys so much, first and foremost, for taking the time out of your day to do this interview with us. And uh, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Bobby. Uh, currently live in Indianapolis, and I'm a writer, producer, and actor. And uh, Witch House is. My newest film. Uh, I shot it with James uh, here in Indy as well, and we're looking forward to shooting some bigger and better projects. Sweet. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm also here in uh, just south of Indianapolis and in, in Indiana. And Bobby brought me on to be the director of photography in Witch House. Um, you know, basically, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a movie guy. I love movies. But I'm a uh, for for uh, my career is basically I'm an editor and I'm a, a, a kind of a corporate video uh, guy you know jack of all trades I guess as far as you know shoot edit produce a little bit of everything uh, and then Bobby brought me in to work on uh, uh, you know my first technically my first feature and uh, you know as they say the rest is history <laughs> awesome <laughs> we want to let you guys know. Um, uh, well, I mean, Ruben knows, James knows, Bobby. We're some Indiana boys. Actually. Yeah, we, we are Hoosiers. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're yeah. we're in East Tennessee now, but yeah. Mark's he was born and raised in Muncie, in uh, Newcastle. Muncie. Yeah, the Muncie area. Um, yeah. And the okay. band that I was in, they're actually all from uh, Indiana, from the Newcastle Muncie area. Uh, I lived there for years. So did you? Yeah. So we actually got to play. Um, we played Super Bowl, not during the Super Bowl, but when the Super Bowl came to Indy. Years ago, my band played like all down the street. With, like I don't know how many times we played that week during Super Bowl week. Maybe four or five times. Four or five was, times. Yeah, busy week. we were there, so we are familiar with Indianapolis. I got a question. So I got a question before we get started, though. Aside from the movie, you all do know who the best donuts in the United States is, right? Well, they don't. What you you mean? No. You mean are you talking uh-huh. about? Here locally? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're talking Indiana donuts. Oh, I've heard of Jack's donuts. There, there you go. go. There you yes. go. No. That's really? it, man. Jack's, Jack's donuts. Yeah. donuts. We yeah. ate Jack's donuts every morning on a set uh, shooting Car 86 with uh, Mayor Greg Ballard's son. And uh, they were one of the people who sponsored the production. So very luckily, uh, and we had a poor production assistant. Tom Rusa had to drive up to North 96th street, wherever 120, wherever they are and get these and then bring that in the coffee to set every morning. But I sure. <laughs> yeah. I know Jack's. 
Oh yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a Krispy Kreme guy. Oh, what? You, uh, oh, you, over you, Jack. You, uh, you gotta have Jacks. Jeez. I'm not letting. I'm not letting. Here, here, here in Indy though. Here in Indy, you gotta go with Longs. The Longs. Oh, yeah, longs. longs. Longs are pretty good, but yeah, they're not as good. As I know, I just know when 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 <laughs> we go opinion. when we go up to Indiana, uh, you know, we have to take. You usually bring a couple dozen Jack's donuts back because everybody down here wants them. So it's kind of crazy. And poor Ruben, he's in Texas. He doesn't get the experience. Oh, we have of either Jack's or Lons. We have, yeah, we have, we have plenty. We have pan dulce down here. (laughs) (laughs) Donuts, donuts as a secondhand citizen down here. You know, we have that Mexican sweet bread. Yeah, we have Mexican sweet bread down here. So, all right, biggest killer. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump into it, guys. We've got a few questions for you. Um, obviously, earlier in the show, we've reviewed the movie. and uh, We definitely liked this movie um, a lot. Um, it was hard because we didn't want to take up too much of your time, and there's about a million questions I could have asked you because I used to read a lot of HP's work back when I was a teenager. Um, so coming into this, I was super excited anyways because anything of Lovecraft that I could see on film um, – it's just exciting for me because his world was is absolutely insane. But I do want to start off with a question, and uh, Bobby, I guess this is more directed towards you. Out of all of HP's work um, that that he's done, what made you choose to adapt uh, the Dreams in the Witch House? Well, um, for people out there that are familiar with Lovecraft and his work, he has a lot of really vivid descriptions of alien worlds and universes and infinite structures and chasms and voids that are just beyond uh, the budgetary abilities of what we can do. And so looking through some of his stories, one of the ones that really could appeal to us is, hey, a witch in a creepy house. And that seemed a little bit more doable. And that's kind of, you know, the road I wanted to go down anyway, because I do like some of the organic horror type, supernatural type stuff versus the worldly gods of different alien beings, you know? So that was one thing that I was, I was talking to Mark earlier um, where I was like, I, when I first watched it uh, from my recollection of the book, I was, uh, there was one scene in the book or spot in the book. I was like, am I going to see this? Are we going to see this on, you know, on film? And I didn't know if we we would or not because of, of budget. And that's when the character in the book goes to um, the elder, uh, the old one's city. Um, and I was like, but it's, that's what you're talking about. Even in this book, there exactly. are a lot of things where they go interstellar, other dimensions, um, and things like that. But for the whole, yeah, I, I, I could see why he did that because this one's definitely a little, a lot more grounded than some of HP's other works. Um, especially, you know, Call of Cthulhu, anything in the major mythos of the Call of Cthulhu gets real out there for budgets, for sure. Yeah, I'm guessing that's why a lot of those, you know, just have never really made it yeah. to, to air. I mean, from what I from what I can gather, from what little, you know, I haven't read a lot of Lovecraft, but I've seen um, some documentaries on Lovecraft, and I, I know a little bit, I know enough to be dangerous. Yeah, and, and so that's the one thing that when he brought the idea of doing a Lovecraft story to me, I was like, "Ooh, okay." So I kind of, I was like, "Well, it'd be interesting to see." Yeah, what Lovecraft's hard to get uh, from from book to screen because of his uh, his imaging, his imagery that he has in the books. Man, that that's tough to put on screen. I think. Oh, absolutely. My wife yeah. was asking me. She's like, 
well, I, you know, how big or long are his books? You know, how, I've never really read any of his stuff. I said, well, he has no actual novels. They're all novellas at the at the best because of how short they are. I said, but it's how detailed and vivid from the first few sentences he sucks you into a world that he just manages to create in a massive scope. Um, and for films, I mean, a lot of films, it's I think for the Lovecraft you know types of films, it's hard to capture that. Um, and I do want to state, and as we continue through the interview, we'll hit it on a little bit more that I think the thing I like most about Witch House, um, and it definitely comes both from Bobby, your directing, and James, your choice in camera angles and shooting, I mean, the whole cinematography, uh, the moments, and I think I talked to James about this on the side, is there's moments in Lovecraft's work where he puts you in depth and you need to pay attention to the story, but then he immediately takes you into a world of chaos and he does it just, I mean, at the flip of a switch. Um, and his detailing. And I felt you guys delivered that bar none. One of the best deliverances of that, that aspect of Lovecraft's work that I've seen on film. So um, hats off to you guys on that for, for sure. Um, what was, let me uh, move on to the next question. What was the most difficult obstacle that you guys had to overcome during the filming process? And that could be the same thing for both of you or two separate things. Just what was, what was the hardest thing to overcome? I mean, <clears throat> it took us a while to get this done because of the the, scale, the scope of the project. And, I, you know, time was definitely one thing that we didn't have quite a lot of because the distance of our actors coming from different states and um, COVID definitely stepped right in the middle of the production and halted travel, interstate travel for any of, the, of our talent. So... Um, that was, you know, for me, I think logistically just made it take longer and just was more frustrating when I really wanted to kind of just glide and get the story done. But, um, JD can probably tell you a whole nother set that's just equally as important, uh, that really made it difficult, but it was a monster of a movie to put together. I'll tell you, um, from start to finish and, um, yeah, there was there was there was quite a bit just his story alone, just to get the thing off the ground, because uh, we have to translate this short story into a feature film. We had to try to stretch it, have enough time, enough footage, and then we had legendary producers Brian Usna and John Penny involved in the project. They're our sales agents and consultants, and they were, you know, asking us to rewrite, you know, sections of the film that we'd shot. And then it's like the movie Terminator when we've messed with the future and the past doesn't make sense. And so now we have to throw this whole section of the film out and reshoot, get these people back. I mean, JD, uh, elaborate if you, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, that was going to be my, my point was the hardest part was recrafting the story after the fact. And I mean, you know, I've seen enough interviews and behind the scenes stuff that I know it happens in Hollywood. I know it happens everywhere. Um, but that was one thing that was really tough because, you know, not only are we trying to match lighting and the look of an actor, you know, six months later, a year later, uh, that was that was a tough thing, you know, and to... And to be able to take that story and go, okay, 
you know, and Bobby knows, him and I have talked, you know, there were times that I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to have to leave me because I don't even know where we are right now because we're going through, because, you know, we would talk to Brian Usna and John Penny and they're like, yeah, you guys need to redo this scene because it's just not working, you know, in their opinion. And so we would go and we would, you know, Bobby and Ken would get together, rewrite some stuff, you know, and then we would get it rescheduled and get actors back in. And we lucked out with, you know, you know, being able to get most of them back when we needed them. Um, and, 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 you know, plugging away at it and getting to it. Yeah. And when that's with, especially with Brian being on, which I think is amazing um, for an independent film uh, to me, I would be losing my mind if I'm on communication with Brian Usna uh, on a, one on an HP Lovecraft film or any film period. Because Brian, for those listening who don't know, Brian he was he produced uh, the Reanimator series. He uh, worked on what's he Necronomicon. He was a producer for um, Man, I don't want to forget that uh, From Beyond. So he's worked on a lot of HP Lovecraft stuff anyway. So if there's anybody, any two guys that you kind of go to. For advice, it would well it'd be Brian Usner or Stuart Gordon. I would think would be the two, and uh, and that, that I, I can imagine that being difficult because I mean if if Brian comes on and I'll add to the question, you know, and he says, "Hey, look, this is what you need to do." Was there ever a time where you were like, "Well, maybe I don't want to do that," or is it like Brian said, "Do it, we're doing it," because this is this is the man to go to for these type of films. Was there ever those type of moments? Well, I know that when I started the project, before I even brought anyone on, um, it was just Brian and I discussing what I wanted to do next. And when I told him, you know, I, he said, look through the works of Lovecraft. He and I met at a Salt City Film Festival in New York uh, back in 2016, 17. And I went home and started looking through this stuff and like, whoa, this is way over my head, you know. And he said, Bobby if I tell you to do something or I ask you to do something, I'd, I'd like for you to please follow my advice because he's worked with other filmmakers that, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers out there that are so bullheaded that this is my way, my vision, this is going to go into print. I don't care what anyone says, but this guy's a legend. So let's just listen. And so we did a lot of that. Like, and they told us like JD has mentioned before, they it's your film the whole step of the way, but we know by following their formula, I mean, they've taken it to Cannes Film Market, American Film Market, and we've got, you know, 10 plus distribution offers over the course of their trips doing this and some big attention drawn to us. And I know that had we gone around it by ourselves without their guidance, we wouldn't have that. I mean, eight wins so far internationally and 22 selections. I mean, their work and their expertise and guidance has shown big time. I mean, J.D., yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, and, you know, like, I think that it would be a mistake not to listen when you, when you have access, you know, here we are a group of filmmakers from Indiana, the Midwest, and not that that's a new thing, but, you know, this independent group of guys and, and girls, you know, producing this film and you've got this, this, you know, you know, producer team, this, this duo that really knows what they're talking about, you know, you, you got to at least go, okay, okay, we got to listen to this because, you know, their stuff is sitting, well, okay, I'm, I'm aging myself here, but, you know, they're, they're sitting on the shelf at Blockbuster, you know, all their movies, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're streaming now, 
Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, these guys know, you know, they've got insight that we may not have. And, you know, like Bobby said, you know, th they did say, you know, this is, this is your, your guys' movie, but here's our suggestions. And I think that was, uh, you know, I think that's, yeah, I think it really helped us move along with, you know, uh, helping get the story to a place that, you know, the audience could follow. Oh, right on. Sweet. Um, all right, we'll move on to the next question because, like I said, we've uh, this one was Ruben's, and I think it was a good one because I, I hadn't thought of this, and and I, I and I wondered though, I mean, with with being an independent film, how much extra footage you have. But when editing the movie, how much ended up on the cutting room floor uh, from what you guys had shot, and if of the things you guys shot, was there a specific scene that got cut that you thought, man, I, that would have been awesome to keep in the film? Yes. Well, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> I figured. Uh, I, I messaged JD before the show and I said, dude, we're going to have fun with number three uh, when they have <laughs> that one. Um, due to, uh, I mean, JD, you talk about our first shot we shot that, you know, didn't okay. go. Away. Yeah. So one of our first, you know, the first weekend we shot, we were in the middle of a field in I think September of 2018 and the actress came in and we had her running through this field and she dove into this water. I mean, it's, it's midnight in the middle of this field. We had, she had a, uh, a guy that was with her and uh, he would okay. go out and make sure there was nothing in her way. Out, he just wandered out into the water and he would make sure she was safe and then he would come back and then we would call action. She would, and she dove in uh, and, and Michelle was such a trooper. I mean, it was, it wasn't freezing that night. We lucked out, but it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't July. <laughs> but so moving a little forward in that we, we, there's a scene in the script that we shot where she bursts out of the water and she's holding this knife. And her eyes are jet black. And she is just streamlined right towards the camera out of the water. Think and, Rambo. Think Rambo. Yeah. Okay. Rambo or, or she had Chuck to Norris. Yeah. She had to get all the way under the water until the water was still. Holding her breath until yeah. it was still. And then. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was one of those scenes that we were very disappointed that once the script got kind of reformed things changed and that scene no longer fit fit the, the narrative that we were going with and that was a really tough one because we loved like i don't know how many times bobby and i would look at that you know <laughs> that, that that scene and go man i wish we could figure out a way to put this in because she did it, it looked cool i mean here she is coming out of the water with her eyes open and it just looked awesome. But yeah, to answer your question, though, there, I mean, there, was, there were a lot of rewrites along the way. And so, yeah, we did a lot of cutting. And there were, I know that was one scene that, you know, Bobby and I both were disappointed in. Bobby, was there anything else that you did? 
We could literally recut this entire film using alternate footage, I feel. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Because we we would shoot something, and in our minds, you know, our level of experience, we think this is great. And we'd send it out. We were sending the dailies to Los Angeles to Brian and John to look over. And they'd say, that's great, but her eyeline's off. Or uh, that door just doesn't work for me in that shot. Oh, <laughs> we're wow. Like, wow. <laughs> and then COVID slams the door on us shut. You know, we can't get anybody back until... And, the, you know, you got to be careful because the, in Indiana, as you guys know, in Texas, too, the trees they look different month mm-hmm. to month. Yeah. Now we've just set ourselves back so much further. And but there were some positives uh, to it because we were able to take those months and really work on the script and uh, try to make the, this work. And I swear, I swear it's like a, a Terminator film. If you take one thing, one event out the rest of the film doesn't make sense. And with this woman traveling through these different dimensions, there's so much we can get away with, but we've got to keep the story. And um, it was just, those guys are really trying to take a, a little jalopy race car and put it in the Indy 500. <laughs> and we were trying to shine up every little piece we could, but yeah, I think that um, their expertise is, is what, you know, helped keep us motivated throughout the long and, you know, tough time okay yeah, there was a lot of conversation pieces that i think uh, if we would have had i mean we had a lot of time but like i wish that we would have been able to work with a little more because mm-hmm. that we lost just because they whether it be they didn't fit the scene anymore or or or, or it was just more of a character uh, i guess building uh, is what i missed there was a couple of scenes that we had to pull out that just didn't work or they were repetitive. So we, we, we ended up switching somewhere else and now they're repetitive. So it's like, well, if you put it in, it's basically the same conversation. And, so, to be yeah. sure, and also with, with so much time, we were, you know, in our heads to rewrite things that I know just with me and the music selections, like so much time had gone by that I was tired of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm let's throw all that music out yuck i'm tired of hearing i want fresh music to re you know revive my you know passion for this project so time really did change some things along the way we had to be at a point where we were like we're done you know uh we're done and we checked off lists for things they sent us and then we get another list of total different things that weren't mentioned before and then we're like wow then our test screenings we're writing lists so we're really trying to make this thing as perfect as possible, you know. So I'm glad you guys like it. Oh, definitely. So, mm-hmm. all right. So for the next question, I got for you guys: What made? Well, let me preface this because I know in the book, from my recollection, uh, the house is not the Hannah house in the book. The Hannah house was is actually specific to Indiana. Um, definitely, probably the most real world thing you can get on film. I would I would think. What made you decide to shoot at the Hannah house? Uh, versus another location well um we had a couple locations in mind one that uh was a rural house with a real because we have to one of the big things uh the house actually has to be is a big character in the film itself Mm -hmm. because the evil and the you know the portal to uh, these different dimensions lies inside that attic where she does her study so that was really a big part of what we were looking for 
And it's so hard. Everyone has addicts, but they're really just a little crawl space. It's nothing that you can really set up a production in. And indefinitely, you know, you've got to have some sort of cool structure. And um, James had a couple spots when he was looking at, I think, in rural Greenwood or something. And uh, we ran into just thought of the Hannah house uh, and reached out to uh, Scott Langer as caretaker of the house. And he's since, you know, not doing the wedding receptions and like gatherings, uh, like a social place anymore. So it fell into a little bit of disrepair and not much was being done with it. And we asked him if we could get some shots outside of the house and he's told travel channel no this is a notorious haunted house probably one of the most notorious in the united states mm -hmm. and uh, most definitely here in the midwest and he's he's told multiple uh film uh, production people no and we luckily got in there and he told us that we could shoot some outside scenes and then he says you guys can shoot inside so he thought we were bringing like a tripod and a little canon camera <laughs> to shoot <laughs> <laughs> and the guy totally freaked on us when we start bringing in racks of clothing. The actors are sitting down for table reads. There's groceries, uh, film equipment, batteries, just <clears throat> vehicles everywhere. And so I thought you guys were getting a couple shots. You're moving in here. <laughs> and I guess the rest, I mean, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I know that when we were looking, you know, I worked, I'd actually shot at the Hannah house years ago um just in one location and um and so i it kind of popped into my head it was one of the how one of the uh, ideas that we thought i you know that i threw out to bobby um because the other one you know a couple of the other ones we we're looking at just weren't gonna pan out and originally we thought we were gonna have to have an exterior and then find another place to shoot interiors because how lucky are you gonna get to find a place that you can do both right and i i thought I thought, you know what, maybe we try the Hannah house or, you know, and our Bobby reached out to him or something, him and I were talking a little bit about it. Um, but yeah, so we lucked out there and, you know, it was kind of funny because I, I kind of remember the fact that, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, like maybe a week or so when we were going to be there and it just kind of escalated and, you know, as much to Scotch, you know, surprise, you know, as, as much as we kind of moved into the place, I think he kind of liked having the company from time to time, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and Bobby and the rest of the team really helped him out, you know, that we would, they would go over and they did landscaping for him to help him and stuff. So we, we, we tried to give back because of, he did a lot for us by letting us shoot there. I mean, we, we walked in and we looked in that attic and Bobby looked at me and was like, this, this is it we've got to shoot up here because you saw as in the movie, you saw like the little angled lines. Oh yeah. We were able to stand up in there and it was like, everything just right then was like, okay, things are about to change with the script because we got this, we got our character and we weren't sure if we were going to get that or not, you know, just because you're looking around and you, you kind of hope that you'll find something. And when we got there, it just, you know, we lucked out. Ryan Usna uh, said that when we showed him, you know, some stills from inside of that place, he says that 
the owner will never let you use that place. It's too nice. He says, I would just try to see if he can let you use the exterior shots. And we went back to him and told him we've got access to the inside. He says, wow, that really ups your production value. Just the wallpaper, the draperies. You know, you see a lot of films where people are able to use old house and they can put some stuff in there to try to do their best. But this stuff was fully furnished. And the fact that we were able to uh, screen an advanced, have an advanced screener there too was really neat in the actual place that we shot the film at. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I thought it was definitely a cool location. I know, <clears throat> of course, you know, us from being from up in Indiana, um, I thought it was pretty cool implementing the Hannah house, not just so much as the, just a location, but it being named the actual house in the, in the movie, I thought was really, right. really cool. Um, cause again, you know, in the book it's not, but for me, I was like, man, that, that brought it really into the real yeah. world because it's an actual location you can go to. Anybody can go to who watches the movie. It's like, Oh, you want to see it? Go to it. You know I mean? It's there. Yeah. Which was really, really cool. Cause I've never seen anybody uh, do that. Uh, it was authentic. That's the first thing I noticed. <clears throat> yeah. That's the first thing I noticed. I'm like, man, what house is this? First thing I did was go Google it. And I'm like, man, they actually shot in that house because it, it looked authentic. You know, usually I can spot a fake a mile away. That looked authentic. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was awesome. I love the, the the shots in the attic, especially the scenes with, um, like, when you, when you first see Brown Jenkins um, appearing, uh, coming out from some some of the shots. I was just like, dude, this is, yeah, you couldn't have found a better place because, uh, which I thought also the way you guys handled Brown Jenkins was absolutely great. So, um Hats off to you guys for, for choosing that place, and I'm glad that they let you all do it there because it really helped with the film. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so last question for you guys. What, and this is going to be aimed towards the actors um, and actresses, what process did you guys use to select um, the the actors and actresses for this film? Uh, well, I uh, on my past projects i've had a couple actresses that i brought back uh shonda laverty's one that uh she plays etta the older lady in mm-hmm. the coven that, um goes against her niece but um we had to try to find a lead and it was very difficult because here in indianapolis we're kind of in the very conservative kind of uh i don't know how to say it very religious conservative uh up northern indiana yeah, it's, the, it's not, the Bible Belt outside of the Bible Belt. The northern, yes, yeah. the northern Bible Belt, kind of. And so the talent agency I have at, that I work with, uh, Helen Wells Agency, has a lot of great girls. And it's just that that subject matter, the Lovecraft, the Necronomicon, the Coven, the Demonic Witches and all that is just kind of too far out there for them, especially, you know, some of the older ladies we were asking to play the role of Edda. So it was very difficult. Uh, for us, we we put at least 15 actresses in front of Brian using that. And he says, nope, this one looks too next door. This one's too goth. This one's too. And Michelle Morris, uh, our, the lead at Alice, she did an audition and he didn't like her performance. So we kept looking and then we went back. We, we exhausted all of our, you know, talent and. Luckily, because we do a lot of work with Days of the Dead, uh, horror con that's all throughout the U.S., we have a lot of uh, great women that are, uh, that you know, that are friends with us that would love to be in some of our productions. And 
Michelle. And, you know, I have to say, when you go to a, a talent agency for a woman that's, you know, used to being in a romantic comedy or being in, you know, maybe a little sci-fi something, horror is a totally different animal. They're going to have to probably be scantily clad out in very bad temperatures, running through mud, having fake blood on their clothes. Their hair is going to be messy. There's just going to be some stunts. There's It's a total another monster. And so for us to have some women that have already been in this genre, like Julie Philput, Michelle Morris, Andy Noir, uh, it really helped make things very smooth for us, J.D. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they... I thought, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, when they sent Michelle's uh, audition out to Brian, Bobby also sent it to me. Just go, hey, check this out. I sent this to Brian. And, you know, Brian came back and said no. And I can remember when I first saw her audition, I thought the same thing. It just wasn't from from the way Bobby described that, that character to me and I watched her read. It just didn't fit for me. And then Bobby was, you know, we went, like you said, kind of exhausted options. And Bobby knew what she was capable of. And he brought her back around. And, and it was just, you know, it was basically just some people have off auditions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what happened here. Because, I mean, she delivered the emotion and and she was a trooper through all the stuff that you know bobby put her through (laughs) (laughs) you know and and i think you know it's it was um it was cool i mean i i was you know i never done a feature length film before bobby's had got a few under his belt you know as far as indie films go and i never done it so i didn't know what to expect and I, you know, the way when we brought the cast in, we, like you said, you know, we showed up on the first day and there's all kinds of people in trucks and wardrobe and this, that, and the other, you know, it was, uh, it, it was, it was cool to see everything kind of come together. You know, uh, with Michelle, <clears throat> I think the director, the way I've done it is if I, I have, I have people in mind is, you know, we go to bed at night with these stories in our mind and we're trying to visualize like the human that's doing this, the actor. and Michelle and I were at Indianapolis Days of the Dead after the convention. There's an outdoor pool, summertime. She jumps in the pool and just does this, you know, like how a frog just kind of does that one majestic leg thing. (laughs) I thought, you know, that would be great in a movie if she had to go from one dimension to another through a pond or a lake. And that was my first thought, like, wow. And I'm I'm telling you, the very first stuff we shot, J.D., was her at the pool. Um, That, that afternoon we got her in a pool with you know gopros and we're shooting her swimming and that was just kind of we had to have a transition from one dimension to another and it was kind of that was and brian and those guys couldn't really see that yet but then when it all comes out on film that i mean these ladies andy was in so much makeup uh that i don't think I think a lot of the regular talent that I work with, nothing against those ladies, but if you were to try to set them in makeup for six, seven hours with the contacts and the heat, the yuckiness of a gross house, fake blood being sprayed at them, I bet like half would walk off the set. And these girls came back time after time after again and just knocked it out the park, you know, as far as I'm concerned. 
I, I think they all did a great job, especially when a, yeah. with a movie like this, you got to have a good, strong lead. And that was one of the things watching it. I thought, was, you know, Michelle did a fantastic job of keeping my attention caught to the screen um, with everything going. I mean, all of them did a great, yeah, a great, great job at this. But I was really impressed with Michelle. Now, didn't she did? Did she not just get nominated? I think for an award. Yes, yes. Uh, in the North Festival in Stockholm, Sweden, she's nominated for Best Actress, and uh, I'm real excited for her. Uh, this is a good breakout film for her. She's got her hands in uh, so many other productions and does some music video directing. And uh, but this is this is big for all of us in this team. You know, JD, all of us, we come from different backgrounds, and this is where we all just pulled our talent together for some big project, you know, the biggest that we've all been a part of. And I'm excited that it's turning out so far, you know, the reception, I'm excited. We're talking to you guys, you know? Uh, so I'm stoked. Oh yeah. And then and for us, and, and I definitely want to uh, push you guys um, on this and say great job. Cause this is a movie that's a little more out of our wheelhouse. Charlie with uh, give me back my horror movies. Um, and you guys did the interview with him and Nate previously, uh, he was like, dude, we're doing this interview with with Bobby and James uh, for Witch House, and this movie is incredible. And I was like, hey, man, you know, um, when's it coming out? Where's it? And you know, I started asking about it. He's like, I don't know. It's not really in your all's wheelhouse normally. And I was like, nah, we we, we got to check this thing out uh, and did. And, and so glad for the opportunity to do so because this is an awesome movie. Um, I know you guys are working hopefully on a distribution deal for this year or next year. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, right now, currently, um, we're going to distribute the film ourselves uh, and in North America. So you're going to get it out there uh -huh. on all the platforms uh, that that we're. But we're just trying to make some smart financial moves that will allow us to stay in the game and continue to to make films and to be happy about doing it. Um, and so this is one of the routes that we're going, but, uh, beyond that, we are looking for international distribution and that'll be broke down by market by market basis. Mm. Uh, right now we're getting a lot of really good reception from foreign markets. So that's hopefully leading to some bigger opportunities, but I have a question for you guys. Absolutely. Uh, actually, um, JD and I, uh, after doing some of these reviews, we really enjoy, um, you know, the questions that we're asked, but we want to know kind of what, you know, I'll ask one, uh, what was one of the, the big payoff scenes or one of the most memorable, you know, really driving parts of the film that you liked or, you know, that really stood out to you? Um, well, I guess I'll take that one first for me. And I, I think I, I kind of mentioned it uh, before. Um, well, two things, two things for me that really stuck out as an avid horror fan. Um, and at one point, my horror movie collection and Mark contested this um, was I had owned over 2000 horror films on DVD. Um, I've always said, if you are brave enough to kill a child on screen, yep. you have, you're limitless because then you're willing to take a film anywhere that it needs to go. Um, and the moment, um, in the film with the, with the, the baby, um, in which I, th I think you guys handled greatly. Cause that's not something I, you know, for me as a viewer would want to see. So you guys kind of kept, you knew what was going on, but you didn't see it. But I was like, man, these guys are brave enough to do it. That's to me, that was the selling factor for Del Toro's mimic. The moment that kid gets killed in the subway, I was like, dude, this movie's gonna be phenomenal because you're willing to break any boundaries. So the moment I saw that, I knew this movie 
is going to capture me, period. Um, so that was a major moment for me early on in the film. And the other major piece was the way it was shot. Again, I, I kind of mentioned with, with Lovecraft stuff, and I love his work, is for a guy who writes books that are anywhere from 30 to 60, 70 pages at most uh, for most of his work, his writing style was so descriptive and grabbing that he was able to take you in and out of chaos into deep story you know, and, and guide you through that perfectly. And I felt that your all's direction of the film and the cinematography visually captured Lovecraft's writing style better than anybody I've seen. And I've watched, and I'm not going to knock Stuart Gordon or any of those guys because we, we all love their films, but even Dagon, From Beyond, Reanimator, all great films we all, I know we all love, but they never captured Lovecraft's writing style. So as a fan of Lovecraft, that was the most impressive thing to me was the fact that you guys were able to visually capture how I felt that man wrote. That, that for me, was the biggest well, thing. And I, and I think the cinematography pulls you into the movie, you know, and, it, and, yeah. and you really get that house, um, you know, really everything about that house just gave me the, the creeps, the spooks. I mean, it did exactly what uh, yeah. it was meant to do. And so uh, that was, that was the big thing for me is to, to, to be, uh, you know, every time, you know, you're in the attic, you know, what's going to happen next, where are we going? You know? And so it, it, it really grabbed me and pulled me in. Yeah, man, you guys stole most of my thunder, but uh, what <laughs> what, I, what for, got really. me is that yeah, <laughs> the cinematography pulled me in, and um, you guys did a real good job of conveying that feeling of dread. I mean, I love horror movies, and I want to feel, and I think I've said it on the show before. I want to feel dread. That's what scares me. Gore doesn't do it to me. You know, all this other these jump scares, yeah, they're okay. But I want to feel dread. Um, a good movie of doing that is uh, that I bring when I think of dread is Hereditary. Have you guys seen Hereditary? That movie brings out that dread. This movie does that. Um, and please forgive me because I don't even know who the character's name is. But that first night when she falls asleep, I, I, I'm assuming he's a demon or something. Brown guy with the, it's a guy with a, yeah, yeah, him. Oh my goodness, that guy just creeped me out completely. I'm like, man, he just shows up out of nowhere. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? And, of course, I remember, yeah, yeah oh, did he? Yeah. I mean, I mean, God, he did such a – I'm like, that dude, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And at first, he did such a good job. He was so genderless there for a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that a guy? Is that a girl? Who, who, what, what's going on here? And it wasn't until I heard him talk. I'm like, okay, okay, I know what's going on now. But he did an awesome job. Um um, but it was all brought together from the dread you feel from, from the authenticity of that house. Like I said, as soon as she walked in to, and, you know, I assumed that you re that you just uh, made, built a set for the attic, that you didn't use the actual attic in the house, but now you're telling me you used the actual attic. You didn't have to build a set for that either. Um, it, it was already set for you perfectly. I mean, you know, it's a perfect storm. So, um, that, that's what drew me in and, and it takes a lot to, I mean, I, I'm, I'll, I'll say it. I'm a snob when it comes to horror movies. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, oh, it's so scary. And then I go watch it and I walk out of there like, man, that wasn't even, 
that wasn't even near being scary. So um, the fact that you were able to recreate that dread for me, a-okay. Yeah, I, I want to add to, because I don't want to say I'm a harmony snob like Ruben is, because, but yeah, I, I am. So, I'd say it. <laughs> I, I've never, I've never seen the entire first Saw film, nor have I seen the entire first or film six since, because I went into yeah. both films and walked out uh, with my ex-wife at the time, and she refused to watch movies with me after that. Um, during Saw, I walked out like 20 minutes of the film, and she's like, "Why are you leaving?" I said, "It's the dude on the floor." And I went and watched something else. And then we went and saw Sixth Sense, and I got through the opening sequence, and I went to walk out, and she's like, where are you going? I said, he's a ghost the entire time. Like, I, I, Nothing <laughs> there was to capture, capture me. I knew the yeah. story going in and to this one, and uh, you guys kept me captured, again, with the cinematography and the direction, and yeah, with the dread. But even things like my expectations, you guys – Brown Jenkins is a great example. In the book, he's a rat with like a human face. And obviously, budgetary wise, that's very difficult to pull off what all Brown does in the novel or the novella. He does very good in this one. Oh, man. And the way you guys handled that, I was like, I'm not getting a rat with a human face, but I might as well be. Like, this is great. Yeah. That dude did a fantastic job. Um, And even, you know, moments where I told Mark earlier, I was like, man, there's this one scene. I don't know if it's going to be in it, but where they go to the the elders' city, um, I was like, you know, that's a huge budgetary thing. I mean, you'd have to have a massive budget to pull that scene off. It's not in there, but you have those interdimensional shots you guys do. But even without that, which was probably one of my favorite things of the book, I didn't care because you all did so well within the grounds that you guys had to work on. And I have no idea what the budget was that – it, the the creativity showed again, kind of like with Brown Jenkins, like may not have the budget to pull this off like it is in the novella, but the creativity and the way you guys shot it and handled it, it was perfect. It was so, so good. So for, yeah, a little bit of a horror movie snob, y'all kept me going the whole time. So thank you. Wow. Well, thank you. That's, thank that's you. awesome. Yeah. And, and I, you know, Bobby will tell you that I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm our worst critic. And it's really good to to get feedback. It, it you know, Bobby's a really he's a good, uh, for lack of a better term, cheerleader, because I, I'm I get a little negative and down on myself. And it's it's great to get feedback from you guys and from people who actually watch it and and see the you know you know I always question oh you know as, as the cinematographer I'm like oh my gosh are we pulling this off right is it going to look okay. Did I do the right thing here? Should I have done something else? And and I, you know, I go back and forth quite a bit. And and it's I appreciate your guys's, you know, yeah. your guys's words because it's just it's it's good to hear because you know, as an independent film, you know, we've all seen I, I pretty much stopped uh, I tried to stop poo-pooing independent films because I see what goes into them now. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like whether or not it's terrible these guys put their heart and soul not everybody obviously there's guys that make a bunch of junk and they throw it out there and just try to make a quick buck or whatever but but you know for the most part there's people out there that really want to make something that's going to be unique or that you know we're trying to tell a story that you know is different and and uh, i just you know i don't know i appreciate it because it's just something that i struggle with and Bobby kept coming back to me going, come on, man, we're doing this. We're doing this. And 
you know, it's, it's cool to hear. I, so thank you guys very much, man. Very, very welcome. So, and, and again, thank you guys for the opportunity one to see the film. Um, I definitely can't wait to see it get released, distributed here. So everybody can see it. Um, and thank you all for the opportunity to do the interview. Um, and before we wrap up and let us know one, where can people, um, keep up with news for the film so they know when it's coming out and what are you guys doing currently, uh, in your endeavors as filmmakers? Uh, well, if you guys want to find out more information on witch house, I suggest going to Instagram to witch house, the movie, you can see all sorts of uh, production stills, concept drawings, paintings, uh, behind the scenes stuff, you know, just different posters and things that we're doing internationally. Uh, you can go to the website, which is witchhousemovie.com on Facebook, HP Lovecraft's Witch House. And right now uh, I am partnering with uh, Rob Davidson of American Muscle Entertainment, and we are shooting the ultimate throwdown. It's kind of like a Big Trouble in Little China-ish type film. Uh, we got some horror mixed with martial arts. Um, we're using some really great talent. Felissa Rose of Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Bill Superfoot Wallace, karate champion. Star with Chuck Norris and some stuff. Uh, some pro wrestlers. And uh, we've got, uh, I say, Felissa Rose. Um, yeah, it's just like kind of Chuck Norris meets a horror uh there's just a lot of you know there's some cocaine cowboy stuff in there there's a haunted asylum there's just the lone wolf mcquade thing going on so i'm sure we'll be talking about that on action movies uh coming up this later this year so that, that may be one i'm gonna to sneak in on be like all right charlie i need it on this one yeah. you messaged me about that the other day I, i'm like this i'm gonna great. i'm gonna pull a george costanza here real quick and uh, throw out an idea for y'all's next movie because uh, I don't have the money nor the talent to do it. Have you guys ever listened to King Diamond's Abigail album? Oh, I love King Diamond. Yeah. Man, I want somebody to make Abigail the movie. Man, pitch it. Sell it. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look into that. Yeah, because yeah. you know, this year, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on, you know, marketing the film, distributing it. And so I think we're going to just take our time and write something really, really solid, you know, oh, okay, yeah. even better, you know, than what we've done before. So, but JD's got some stuff cooking too. Yeah. What, what you, you got, got JD? Yeah. Well, I mean, right now uh, we're, we're still focusing a little bit on, you know, finalizing uh, deliverables and getting the, you know, marketing going on the movie. But, um, you know, outside of that, I'm, uh, I'm working on uh, another script. It's an anthology um that me and uh, my writing partner are, are doing and it's kind of funny because it's been in the works for like years you know i keep putting it off and because i didn't think i could do it i didn't i mean because you know like i said bobby brought me in to do this and this was kind of the first hurrah and after we got it finished i'm like well shoot i've got to stop you know sleeping on the job and and do this if i enjoy doing it i need to do it so i'm in the middle of writing and hopefully we're gonna we'll um you know once i get it uh finalized within the next couple of weeks you know then i'm gonna kind of you know we'll get some feedback on it and get it lined up and hopefully uh you know have another feature coming out awesome awesome well, guys, right. again, thank you all so much for taking time uh, out of your all's day to or evening 
to do this interview with us. For those listening, um, again, when this, keep up on the uh, social media sites, witchhouse.com, witchhousemovie.com. Um, follow up with them, and as soon as this thing gets distributed, uh, check it out because this is—it's a wild ride of a movie um, for sure. And it kept us glued yeah, from beginning to end. It'll keep you glued from beginning to end as well. So, Bobby, James, thank you guys so so much. Thank you. All right, man. There you go. You just heard everything from. I don't want to say the horse's mouth, but pretty much from the horse's mouth there from those guys. Um, from the, yeah, from the rat, rat, bot, rat body. What was that? Brown Jenkins. Rat's face on him. Yeah, 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 brown Jenkins. Um, <laughs> he is struggling he with is the whole time. time. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, and I love that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. I know for us, man, it was, one, it was cool that they asked us a question. You know, yep. I mean, you don't get that often in the interview. So that was cool. Again, thank you guys for doing that, uh, Bobby and James. But, man, it was just – it was really cool to hear the experience, um, the you know, that the the work that went into it um, in making this film because it, it definitely makes you appreciate independent filmmakers more. Um, you know, people sometimes will – We'll dog an independent film because it's like, oh, the camera quality doesn't isn't as good as like a Hollywood film. Well, yeah, you're talking about a twenty thousand dollar movie versus fifty million. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but the it's the heart behind it. You know, the the yeah. These people love doing what they do and they put their they put their all into it. You know, I mean, I I, I go back and think of well, I've said it before to to friends when they're like, why do you like monster movies and, and horror movies, especially you know when they're so cheap? I'm like, because man, it's the last real genre. Because these yeah. people may not have a lot of money, but man, they put their all into these films. You know, there's a there's an analogy that I use all the time. Um, as a and you might relate to this as a as a as a musician, you can put a five thousand dollar guitar in the hands of a amateur, and it will not sound like a five thousand dollar guitar. But you can put a twenty dollar guitar in front of a musician. And he will make it sound like a five thousand dollar guitar. Oh, absolutely! So oh, yeah. there's absolutely. heart. That there, that that's what that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about independent filmmakers. You know what? Yeah, they may not have the budget, but man, they're gonna make they're gonna make as good as movies you're gonna get from maybe a big budget, you know, movie studio, because there's heart behind it. And uh, I I just feel that way. I mean, I don't know how many times you guys probably walk into a music store and there's some kid there. Just with the cheapest guitar, man, but it sounds great. And then you have some other people that just don't have their heart in it. And $5,000 guitar still sounds like like they're playing Smoke on the Water on a, a Sears guitar. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that's, yeah, that, that's spot on. I mean, that, that is so yeah. true. And that's what these guys did. I mean, you can, you, you could, the, the heart, the blood, the sweat, the tears, you definitely yeah. came out on the film. I mean, I, and again, it's it's not to to just say, hey, you guys are awesome, or we're friends, and we'll, I want to talk good about your movie. You know, I mean, we we didn't give it a five; we gave it a three and a half. We were honest, but we're also honest in saying this is in my top three best H.P. Lovecraft films right. I've ever seen. Right? You know, Ruben's right with the movie I can't pronounce it being better than yeah. you know better than that. Yeah, it, um, it is. They did a great job. I mean, for an independent film, man, I have seen some turds. Um, cause, yeah, but you know, and I've seen there's some, there's more turds there's more turds than than not yeah on, that, on, on the world right now there are but especially man, in the like, horror genre. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I put this up there. I mean, this is one of those movies where, uh, and, and again, these this type of films like is, is again not what we normally review, but like I, I mean, 
I could see this at a festival back to back with a movie like Hobo with a Shotgun, you know, with Rugger Hauer. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. There you go. You know, just one of those films that I think they did a, a fantastic job. I, I've been keeping up with a lot of horror movies that are coming out, and, and I've been watching a lot of in, more independent or lower budget films, especially found footage style. And man, there's just this movie just is. Yeah, it's just better than most of them. You know, just think about all these. Think about all those independent films that are now called classics. I mean, Halloween was done. You know, that was a low budget film, really. Halloween, the original Halloween. So was the original Even Dead. Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was done on a budget. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's just so so many low budget films out there that that when done, like you mentioned, with heart and with their soul poured into it. You, they can't help but be good. Yep. Because they're really giving the, their all. And you can tell they know what horror fans want and what boxes they want checked because they did the, a lot of those on, on this movie. Oh, I think they pretty much checked all boxes when it comes to horror films. I mean, just, just checked them all off. They're like, we got it, got it, got it. You know what I mean? Yep. And not like yeah. at the point where, you know, I mean, they just did. They just nailed it. So, um, man, guys, again, Bobby, James, Michelle, the entire crew involved. Hats off to y'all. This was a, an awesome film, exceptional film. Um, I cannot wait to see what you guys do in your future endeavors. I know Bobby's working on um, a new movie that I cannot wait to see. Um, and then uh, uh, James is working on an anthology that he's writing. So, I mean, go for it, both of you, because y'all are, did a yeah. fantastic job with this. I expect nothing but awesomeness from you guys from the future. Um, and, again, thank, that, thank you guys so much for giving us the opportunity to to review this movie um, and sit down and talk to you guys about it. It was absolute blast. Um, anything else you guys want to say on Witch House before we? No. Nope. Oh, all good. good. Awesome. Well, man, yeah. thank you all so much. Hopefully you all enjoyed uh, that special episode we want to bring to you. Again, we want to support these guys, you know, any independent creator we want to help support, um, but especially Bobby and James. Thank you guys again. And uh, make sure if, you know, if you want to check this movie out, uh, Bobby gave the, um, social and, and, and website links in the interview, but again, witchhousemovie.com, find them on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, of course, they're going to let you all know when this is coming out, how it's coming out. Um, and of course you can go to those sites and check out some of the behind the scenes and production, um, shots and stills that they did, which is pretty cool. Um, and man, again, appreciate you all for listening to this. We've got some cool things coming up because next week we've got our Second final. Well, this is a special episode. So we got another episode coming up next week. There we go. It's our giant monster movie film of the month, and Mark has picked Rampage. Rampage. So not only do you have you know giant monsters based off a of video game, you've got a giant monster in Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, in right. this movie as well. So right. um, this one is going to be a fun uh, movie to review. We also have a very big announcement. Uh, coming out next week that we're not going to drop to you right now. But uh, man, do you do that? To, you just do that all the time. I do because it's yeah. Just hey, fun. we're going to do this, but we're not I'm telling, telling you yet. So no, we do I have say, something. You go, you go on our social media pages, and there's all kinds of hints. But yeah, well, yeah. I'm well, we're, for that money shot, we're we're going to finally <laughs> give that away on the next episode. And Ruben and Mark hinted towards it earlier, and I might be I might be prematurely bitter at the decision that we have made. But um, I'm excited. Either way, it'll be fun. So stay tuned to the next episode for a big, big announcement. Um, and uh, uh, also, 
be paying attention <laughs> for the next episode because we have something else coming. You know, we've been doing the the, the test your might segment, which we, we didn't do this episode, but we will do in the next one. But we've got something else new coming that's pretty cool. Uh, did ask you guys uh, if you wanted to if have a way to win some prizes from us. Well, make sure you listen to the rampage episode. Because we're going to tell you exactly how in that one. So. Oh, it's actually coming out. Yeah. Well, uh, there's two announcements, I guess. Okay. So, but two yeah, well, two really cool out. things in the next episode. You want to make sure <clears throat> and and not miss. So, <laughs> exactly. and again, guys, check us out on all of our socials. You can find us on uh, Facebook at Monster Movie Stomp Down, um, Instagram Monster Movie Stomp Down. We got everything moved finally. No more Sledgecast. It's all oh, Monster yeah. Movie Stomp Hell Down. Yeah. So that Mark and Ruben quit whining at me. <laughs> you know, I know. No it. longer B team. You know, he was getting A-team you know, and only team. Do you yeah. know how annoying it was when I'm like, I'm going to listen to Monster Movie Sludgecast, and then boom, there's just sludge right there. Oh yeah, picture of sludge on my. Now, now we've got you guys. And me and Mark, me and Mark know where to be found. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, you know, here's the thing I about all say, that is, I, is, is I don't that, know how this is a what. Well, no, go ahead, go ahead. Our shoulders, our shoulders oh, are weighted down because we li- weighted we down? lift you up so much. Oh, what you know? That's and, right. And you ride our shoulders. I, I am the least lifted oh, up host on the show. <laughs> how much do I hear about '98 and Titanic? Well, Come see, on, hey, and, you, and you're the one that brought them up. No, no, I'm just saying. You were. I, you I believe me. at the last episode you were Celine Dion. No, fan. no, oh yeah, I was yeah, not a Celine Dion fan last episode. Still setting there. It's because I've not had a chance to. Oh, the, yeah, we're yeah. not bringing oh, in yeah. Celine Dion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, how does yeah. that? That sounds like excuses. Is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> Excuse uh, None. I don't know. Oh yes. Anyways, go check us out. So make sure and join yeah. the Facebook group, man. It is active. There's a lot of people talking. We have a blast yeah. in there. We also have special content for you guys on Instagram and on our Facebook group. If you want to find out what the underdogs is all about, you can only find that out on our Facebook group or Instagram. That's something we release every Monday, uh, which is really, really cool. Find out about those underdog-type films that people may not know about. Don't say a word, Mark, because you just looked at me, and we're fixing to wrap up the episode, so <laughs> hey, make sure to subscribe. Ruben. Hey, Ruben. Right in the review. I just looked over at Sludge. This is going to be on air. What? What happened to all the gray hair yeah. in your beard? Are you Grecian formula, dude? <laughs> you what? are. Oh, you are. You're man. covering that stuff up. I don't want to look like your oh. old rear end. Yeah. Okay, oh so, gosh. Oh my gosh, this you is have, on air. Done, I got a full head of hair right <laughs> now. So whatever. All right, so for those who, 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 if you pay attention on, on social media or know me, uh, now when it comes to the top, I ain't got no gray hair issues, but my beard has oh, been yeah. getting a lot of gray. Oh, well. Yeah. I've got band stuff coming up this upcoming weekend, and we've got photo shoots, so oh, I needed oh. to kind of look a little younger than I am. So, yeah. Oh, okay. He, he, okay. Kenny, he Kenny Rogers himself up he all, did. all he Kenny did. Rogers' hey, plastic surgery. And He's been hiding <laughs> behind his microphone over there, and I, I haven't been hiding behind my microphone. And he kind of got out from behind there, and I thought, oh, wait, that gray hair is gone. <laughs> yep. So let's add that to the list of 98 yeah. Titanic. But, but Never I, hear I will give it. a compliment to our listeners. I'm going to give a compliment to Sludge because – I don't know how the production is going to come out because 
All hell was breaking loose before we started recording over here. My, and I'm telling you what, let's just put it this way. My microphone stand was in my hand. It was not mounted. <laughs> it was not mounted. Garage band. I opened it up, said Rodan on it for some reason. I don't know. And I deleted Rodan long ago. And I, luckily, I was able to change the name. And then we it had was Zoom my mouse. issues. Yeah, my oh. mouse is wireless, but it's... it's it's a new setup. This is a new uh, um, Apple setup or Mac setup, and I did not realize that you have to. Char- I should have realized you have to charge the mouse. So I came <laughs> and moved the mouse before getting ready. Mouse wasn't doing anything. It was dead because it needed to be recharged. Oh, so it charged for twenty minutes before the show. Then the mic stand falls apart. At one, you know, yeah, at one point, Ruben completely yeah. disappears. <laughs> he was gone. Yeah, gone. So next thing you need, he, he comes gone. up from below yes. and he's got a mic stand in one hand. Oh, yeah. It, was, yeah, it was a mess. So I don't know how it's going to end up. But if it ends up like you guys don't know the difference, it's the magic of sludge. That's right. all I gotta say. See, yeah. now y'all listen and understand why I got gray hairs when I have to oh. deal with these two <laughs> and the things I gotta go through. So if I'm having yeah. to color anything up, it's because of yeah. them. So all right, guys. Thank you all again so much. Hopefully you all enjoyed the episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview. Again, it's keep an eye out for this movie when it comes out. It's gonna be it's a wild ride. Check us out on all the social media pages. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, go rate us on Spotify and Apple iTunes. We'd like to know what you guys think and hopefully have some positive reviews. But uh, again, thank you all so much. This is Sludge. And Mark. And you got Ruben in Texas. Y'all have a good night. Good night. Good night, y'all. Come on, you think you wanna live forever? Now what? But no matter what happens, Godzilla will win. That just for men brush hey, stuff or whatever. Hey, it is. come on, Mark. It was Valentine's Day. He had to doll himself oh, up. Oh yes, Valentine's this is Day. true. This is true. Shoot, yeah, man, got a doll up for that. Hey, is this thing still recording? Oh yeah, it is. Okay, okay. Okay. okay, we're still. I will make sure. I make sure I tell Sarah to check out that back in there. Gosh. I just thought everything would be fine. I just thought it was great. We got everybody on the screen. We're all ready. And you look down and no Ruben. Ruben's just a chair. (laughs) Nowhere he went. That was great.